electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. You're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show. And indeed it does. And hello, everybody, and happy snowy Monday, at least in the Northeast. It's probably 75 in Florida. Who knows? I'm Brian Sullivan. Welcome, everybody. A shiny new bet. Silver shooting higher. Is this the latest play in the Reddit rebellion, or are some being played? The story gets more interesting by the hour. More good news on the vaccination front. Moderna says its vials can hold more doses than currently approved. All this is on pace to get 100 million shots into arms by early March. Speaking of good news, could we actually be seeing some real old-fashioned bipartisanship on the Hill? Maybe, or maybe not. And it all comes with a price tag. We'll get to all that and much more over the next 60 minutes or so. We've also got a nice little jump in most stocks anyway to kick off the week. So let's kick it off with our friend Bob Bassani. Bob. Brian, good to see you as always. Uh, we are right at the highs for the day. And once again, this negative correlation with the shorted names continues. As they're down, the broader market is up. There's the S&P 500. We have almost erased all of the big losses we had on Friday. In fact, the Nasdaq's having a fabulous day. It has erased all of the losses that we had on Friday. Dow Industrials underperforming a little bit. Russell 2000 also. But still, everything's on the upside. And the reason we're getting such a nice outperformance from the Nasdaq is mega cap tech is having a terrific day. So right across the board, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet all up. It was a rocky week of last five or six days. Apple was 144 at one point, uh, six, seven days ago, went to 130. As you can see, it's bounced back a little here, but uh, we've moved down quite a bit off of the highs here. The shorts, I mentioned that inverse relationship uh, with the shorts that's out there. Uh, GameStop got as low as $212. It's up above that right now, but it's a long way from 325 where it closed on Friday. AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, Express. Um, AMC was way up. This morning, it's off of those highs, though still marginally to the upside. But basically, the shorts are down today. Those commodity ETFs. Now, I know we've been concentrating on this interest in silver, but I just want to point out silver is lower than it was earlier in the day. But uranium, you're looking at copper, we're looking at platinum, uh, all moving uh, more than normal today. So I think there's an overall interest in commodities in general today, whether or not that really uh, translates into any kind of serious short squeeze. We'll see if that actually happens. Guys, back to you. Yeah, what's the short level on uranium? All I know is I don't want to take physical delivery there. Bob, very quickly, <laughs> though, over the weekend, a lot of us were going back and, forth, back and forth about what exactly was going on with the market. Based on the price action today, the big caps that you just laid out, right, the hedge fund favorites, does it indeed look like those are the ones that got sold to cover the margin calls and any kind of uh, redemption requests from hedge fund clients. And now, you know, Melvin's completely out of GameStop. So this is just the buyback of what had to be sold a few days ago. Yeah, look what got sold big last week, a mega cap. 
and semiconductors. What were big winners prior to that? Make it happen, semiconductors going in. So there definitely was what we called a, a degrossing. They lightened up on overall positions, long positions, as well as short positions. And today, as we saw, these little less volatility in these shorted names, uh, market tends to drift upward. And that's because the fundamentals there, uh, the vaccination story, uh, the stimulus story, and the earnings story, which is really turning out to be great, all are what matters uh, ultimately for the market, Brian. And for humanity, by the way, 12 straight days of more than 1 million yes. shots in arms in the United States. The story doesn't get told enough. We're going to tell it a little bit later on in the yep. show. Bob Pisani, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Well, it seems like right now everybody is debating the real impact of retail traders and Reddit users on rising silver prices or the other commodities Bob just showed you. So to get to the bottom of it, we figured we'd do something novel. You know, actually talk to somebody who sells silver because silver is on the move, close to its biggest one-day gain in a decade. Now, it's not just today. You can see the silver rush began last week after some mentions, yes, on Reddit. But what about physical silver, not just paper moves? Joining us now is Michael Whitmire, CEO and co-founder of JM Bullion. They're an online precious metals dealer. They typically got about a million in sales on a Sunday, but Michael, from what I understand, and correct my numbers if I'm wrong, you guys did 27 million over the weekend? Yeah, just actually just over 27 million on Sunday alone. Uh, substantial numbers for us, you know, enormous increase in demand that we've been seeing since uh, essentially Wednesday night when those Wall Street bets posts went up. Uh, so we've been scrambling, working hard, trying to keep up with demand. Yeah, and a little bit later on, we're going to talk about whether or not these are real, quote, retail traders or is a lot of conspiracy of these hedge funds in disguise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Based on the order size that you're seeing, Michael, can you determine in your years of experience maybe who these buyers actually are? Yeah, these are individual investors. We're seeing a lot of activity from our existing customer base who we've developed over the last nine years. We are seeing substantial increases in new customer activity as well. Um, but it's across the board and it's individual investors. Uh, average purchases for us range between two and three thousand dollars. We do have customers who purchase six figures or larger, but on the whole, this is you know individuals who are purchasing physical silver for delivery. Are they buying coins? What exactly are they buying? Yeah, so it's a mix of coins, bars, and rounds. Um, we typically have about a thousand silver products uh, in inventory available for purchase. Uh, we're getting so cleaned out right now that we're actually, last I checked, down to about 80 items in stock, which is a, a number I've never seen before and never thought we would ever see. So you're almost out of silver inventory. So if you, you want, I'm sure, to sell, sell silver, which means you got to go get more. Can you go, do your suppliers have more silver? No, the, the entire industry is, is frankly wiped out. So what we're selling now is predominantly future deliveries. So we can secure silver that will be produced and shipped to us in the coming weeks. And we can offer that for sale to our customers so they can lock in today's spot price and take delivery in the future. But in terms of actually finding live silver that you can purchase and receive today, uh, it's, it's becoming impossible. When do you think we're going to have more supplies? And by the way, without I don't, maybe you can't reveal it, Michael. Who is your? Are you buying for the Federal Reserve? I mean, who do who do you buy from? If you don't mind telling us. Yeah. So one of the primary suppliers is actually the U.S. Mint. So they produce our most popular silver product, which is a, a one ounce coin called the American Silver Eagle. 
They have the capacity to make around half a million ounces of that product on a weekly basis. Uh, for context, since Friday night, we've sold just us, we've sold over 260,000 ounces of those, and that would have been substantially higher if we had not run out. So that kind of puts into context, you know, we're just one dealer in one geographic market. That's kind of the, the shock to the supply chain that we're going to be dealing with for months. And can you correlate, and I know you're not exactly in tune, Wall Street Bets, Wall Street Silver, which is a new Reddit subreddit created a couple of days ago. Have you been able to poke around? Do you think there's a direct correlation in terms of your order flow and sort of this online attention the last really three to four days, direct correlation? Absolutely. It, it was like a plate flipping on overnight Wednesday, and it just went crazy Thursday, Friday, and over the weekend. Uh, so as I mentioned, we did see increased activity from the existing customer base, but I believe that was actually driven by, you know, essentially media attention on this story and, you know, Silver being in the headlines as a potential target of Wall Street bets. So we are seeing those you know, Reddit users coming in directly making purchases. But on the whole, it's, it's actually a lot of our own customers, I think, trying to get ahead of, you know, what they're trying to do. Wow. So maybe a combination of both. Truly incredible. Mm -hmm. Some of the lowest inventories you've had. Maybe the mint is out of silver. I don't know. Michael Whitmire, really fascinating on the ground stuff. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. All right, so let's peel it back a little bit and get more down the macro markets and what has led to the volatility that we have seen in some of the Reddit rally stocks and how it might overall impact the market. We're joined now on the phone by Bob Dahl, Chief Equity Strategist, Senior Portfolio Manager at Naveen, more than a trillion in assets under management at that firm. Bob, I want to get to equities in a macro way in a moment. Can you believe what he just said? At least one bullion dealer is basically out of silver and not sure he can get more. I mean, what's your, you've been doing this a long time, and I say that respectfully. What's your take on everything that's going on right now? Well, and Brian, it's a surprise to me it hasn't happened before this. I mean, when you think the ingredients of, you know, essentially free money, lots of checks getting mailed, people having time on their hands, commission-free trading, that these mini-speculative activities haven't happened before is a bit of a surprise. And, uh, yeah, it's creating volatility in markets. It's making some people squeamish. You know, you hear people saying it's a rigged game or somebody say, I can't compete. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a wild, it's a wild west at the moment. Well, it is. And a lot of people, by the way, are, are getting rich as well now. There's some data. Goldman Sachs out over the weekend said that on a macro level, they ran the numbers and that what they saw on Friday was the biggest short squeeze in 25 years. In other words, it worked, right? Firms had to deleverage. Maybe they had some redemptions. They have to raise cash to sell what they sell. Squeezes, as I understand them, do tend to be good for stocks longer term, tends to get some of the froth out of the market. What's your take on equities going forward and what we saw on Friday? Look, I think that the noise around these squeezes, the presence of them, has to let up somewhat to get, uh, you know, the average investor back to, oh, yeah, I need to focus on the economy and earnings, and that's what moves stocks. Isn't that the case? So uh, we, we have some headwinds to get through here, Brian. As I indicated earlier, I'm not sure this is the last of the speculation. We'll see. It does increase volatility in both directions. And we saw it on the downside Friday. We're seeing on the upside today. And uh, I think the, uh, 
uh, you know, the kinds of volumes you are seeing in some of these securities that uh, have been, uh, can I use the word, victimized, is, uh, is way up there. And that's a, that's a result of a lot of players, Brian. It is, though. You know, and there's this whole narrative going around like, oh, the little guy beating the big guy and, you know, like that, whatever. By the way, and what the media at CNBC thinks about it. By the way, I think it's a great thing. I just want to be on the record for that because as long as many of these people, Bob, don't get their donkeys handed to them, if you know what I mean, then you're getting this renewed interest in the stock market. For a decade, everybody moaned that the retail investor was wiped out after the Internet crash and then again in the great financial crisis. We need people to be interested in the market other than just a few machines and high net worth clients. I mean, overall, do you view this as a positive or am I just completely wrong? No, I think you're right on to it. And, and some of these, I mean, you go back to the decline last year, some of these uh, individual investors, some of those networks, they were buyers near the bottom and they bought high beta stocks. So they did well coming off that bottom. So uh, you know, this uh, the retail guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, a lot of them don't, but a lot of them do too well. And and that's that's the beauty of the market. Anybody can play. There's a guy, and we got to go, Bob. There was a guy, a gentleman over the weekend. I saw an interview with him in St. Louis. Makes forty five thousand a year. Put I think forty five hundred. Which, uh, by the way, that's about ten percent of his income. Be careful. Into GameStop and GameStop options. And on paper, as of, I think, Friday night, was worth $1.1 million. Now, maybe he sold made some money. But by the way, if that's not knowing what you're doing, I'll take that all day long and twice on Sundays. Bob, hey, Paul, Levine, out, don't for, don't Bob thank you. Don't forget to sell. Don't forget to sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never lose money by taking a little profit, I guess. Even the yeah, old yeah. adages may work sometime. Happy, happy shoveling, Bob Dahl, because I, I know what you're going through, my friend. Yeah, thank you. All right, coming up. So, are Reddit users the only driver of this silver boom that we are saying? Well, a deeper dive suggests it may not be that simple. We'll show you why. And some positive news, not only on COVID, but also on the vaccine front. The details of Meg Terrell coming up. And as we begin a new trading month, take a look at two stocks who did not dominate the headlines in January, or really got, got no love at all, but maybe should have. Viacom and Discovery both up more than 30% this year. Apparently, TV is the new TV. We're back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, welcome back to The Exchange, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. Dow Industrials having a little bit of a rally on this Monday, not necessarily gaining back what we lost on Friday, but we are still up 252, just off our highs of the session. The high, if you're counting at home, and why not? What else is there to do? Up 277 points, just under 1%. But look at technology. Bob Bazzani pointed it out. Maybe it is that squeeze effect that we showed you last week that the big-name stocks that got sold to meet redemption requirements, well, they're all being bought back now in force. So NASDAQ up more than 2%. All 11 sectors are in the green. Technology, communication services are some of your leader. All right. Now to the three big-money individual stock movers of the day. Number one 
is international flavors and fragrances. Investors there are sniffing out a win. Shares are higher. Producer of, you guessed it, flavors and fragrances, completing its $7.3 billion deal with DuPont's nutrition and biosciences business today. Stock up, look at that, just under 15%. Stonks. All right, stock number two, maybe the stock of the day outside of IFF, is Ford. Shares there soaring, well, for Ford, on news of a six-year deal with Google for in-car connectivity and cloud services. Google, by the way, Alphabet, as you know, also higher by more than 3%. And stock number three, another car, Tesla. Piper Sandler raising its price target on the stock to a new street high of $1,200 from $515. Now, they were about $300 behind where the price of Tesla was, so they had to do something, but they jacked it up to $1,200. The firm expecting new levers of growth for Tesla for decades and decades to come. Well, speaking of electric cars, if you missed the rally in Tesla over the last couple of years, Morgan Stanley says, don't worry. There are three other EV names out there that could be ready for big rallies. Morgan Stanley predicts double-digit gains for China's electric car stocks given strong growth and the rapidly evolving technology. Their picks include, are you ready? Neo, Xpeng, and Li Auto. You can read more about the methodology and the names at cnbc.com slash pro. All right, on deck here on The Exchange, if you can't beat them, join them. Why hedge funds may be jumping on the back of the retail trader to try to score a profit. And don't forget, you can watch us live on the go using the CNBC app, The Exchange. We'll be right back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back. Well, if you need some good news in the fight against COVID and the rush of vaccines, and who doesn't, you're in the right place because the tireless and peerless Meg Terrell has learned that Moderna says it can fit more medicine in each vial and is asking the FDA to try to approve the move, which Meg Terrell, I'm assuming, would help us speed up the rollout even more, correct? That's exactly right, Brian. So I've heard that the idea here is to alleviate a bottleneck in the manufacturing of COVID-19 vaccines, uh, which is actually in the capacity to do what's known as fill finish, actually taking the bulk vaccine and putting it into vials. So what I've learned is that Moderna has asked the FDA to authorize it to put 15 doses in each vial, up from 10. Uh, essentially, there's not a shortage of the vials. It's that there are a finite number of companies that have these super sterile manufacturing facilities that can do what's known as fill finish. And so the hope would be this could speed up supply by about 50% if you're getting more doses of existing vaccine into vials, Brian. So uh, we haven't heard from the FDA yet on this. Uh, we will have to see how quickly they can do this. Uh, but if so, it could alleviate one of the bottlenecks that is holding back vaccines, Brian. Yeah. And just a quick follow on that, because, you know, when you when you when you see the vial, I mean, as I have, I mean, it's minuscule. It's shot. It's like literally the size of a quarter but you've got to administer it quickly because we know that it goes bad over a couple of hours. I guess one issue is, can they use all those? Would nurses and other people that are you know, going to deliver the shots be able to deliver them that quickly? 
It's an important question, and we know that the fact that there are 10 doses per vial and the vials are so delicate, you know, you have to use them all at once. This could create more logistical complications. Another thing about this is this vaccine doesn't have preservative in it. So presumably the company would have had to show data uh, that, you know, you can get 15 doses out of one vial without a preservative and still have it meet those, you know, incredibly sterile requirements that the FDA has. Um, But, you know, if we can get more vaccine out, that would be the goal. Yeah. And, you know, on the case front here, listen, just under 100, that's still way too many. Any is too many. Cases are still elevated, but they have come dramatically down from their highs. I looked at Texas this morning, Meg. A month ago, Texas had 27,000 cases. Yesterday, 9,900. We are seeing that trend, maybe not to that level in other parts of the country. Absolutely. I mean, we were just showing that wall with cases coming down 40% from their peak in early to mid-January. That's great news. Hospitalizations are also down. We've got about 95,000 people in the hospital. That is still a tremendous number of COVID patients in the hospital, but it is down about 20% from its peak. In terms of deaths, that's a lagging indicator, and that should come down as well, too, but we're still... 3,300 deaths being counted every day in the country. Now, whereas these are very good, you know, signals that uh, trends are coming down, public health experts are really worried about these variants. B117, the one first identified in the UK, has now been identified Mm -hmm. in 32 states, more than 400 cases. We have very few cases of the B1351 variant. Uh, One was just identified over the weekend in Maryland, in addition to those two in South Carolina, and one of P1 uh, in Minnesota. Those ones are the more concerning ones, Brian, because of their ability to evade our vaccines and potentially our drugs as well. So even though things are getting better, public health experts say we got to double down to make sure these variants don't take over. Do, do we know for sure the vaccines don't work on the variants? I guess that's the confusion, right? Well, we haven't seen clinical trial data on the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, but of course the J&J results and the Novavax results gave us a lens into how well those vaccines work on B1351 in South Africa, uh, which you can extrapolate to the other vaccines because they all work on the original spike protein of the coronavirus, Mm. Brian. All right. So, and also good to see South African cases coming down in the UK as well, but they've been also under strict lockdown. Meg Terrell, tireless and peerless, as always, Meg. Thank you. (laughs) All right, let's now get to Courtney Reagan for a CNBC News update. Courtney. Hi, Brian. It's good to see you. Here's what's happening at this hour. President Biden says the U.S. will review sanctions laws and authorities and take, quote, appropriate action following the military coup in Myanmar. White House Press Secretary says the Biden administration will take action against all countries in the region that might have been involved in the coup. And a new study of concussions suffered by college football players at six schools found nearly three out of four happened during practice, with just 28% occurring during games. The New York Times reports two concussion experts not involved with the study called the results, quote, shocking. And in California, stunning pictures of the collapse of the Pacific Coast Highway last week. It was caused by heavy rain and mudslides. Officials say the highway has continued to erode and it's not clear how long repairs will take. That's your CNBC News update for this hour. Brian, we need a lot of infrastructure work in this country. Maybe start there. Back over to you. Yeah, yeah, start there. I would say great. And I can't wait to see you again in person. Courtney Reagan, good to see you even virtually. Thank you. All right, coming up, 10 Republican senators go to the White House. 
No, it's not the start of an SNL skit. It's real, and it's an attempt at bipartisanship, but there's still a huge divide in how much they may want to spend on stimulus or anything get done. And as we head to break, remember this important message. February is Black History Month, and this year, we are also honoring some of our CNBC contributors. Here's my friend, Alima Croft, sharing her gratitude for the trailblazers that came before. Think about the sacrifices that generations before us made to put us in the position that we are now. I think about everyone who participated in the Montgomery bus boycotts and what they went through. And so whenever I'm feeling down, I just remind myself that I'm standing on their shoulders and I have the obligation to push forward because they blazed such a path for me and for you as well. All right, welcome back to The Exchange. Well, the recent volatility in stocks is not necessarily confined to just a certain corner of the market. The butterfly effect, if you will, may be more widespread. In the options market, put contracts on the likes of GameStop, Bed Bath & Beyond, AMC, and even Tootsie Roll are getting more expensive, as you expect them to. Taking a closer look at one of them, GameStop, you might have heard about it the last couple of days. It's having outsized moves in the popular retail ETF, XRT. GameStop's weighting is now 19% in the retail index. It was less than 2% at the beginning of the year, which is causing heightened outflows from the ETF. Here now to talk about all this is Quincy Crosby, Chief Market Strategist for Prudential Financial. And I guess what we've learned, Quincy, is number one, a, a large group of people, no matter how much money they might have to invest, can, can make big moves and affect a lot. And also, we're learning that thinly traded, highly shorted stocks can have an outsized effect on the overall market as well. Well, sure. I mean, particularly in the moves last week, uh, Brian, we saw selling in individual stocks across every sector, which suggested that it was the uh, hedge funds forced to sell in order to make up for what they had to pay to cover their shorts. And you could see it because it wasn't just a whole sector. It was individual stocks, stocks that are very popular. They, they sit in hedge funds but they lost uh, last week as, as the retail um, path just came in and took over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also the market structure issue, something that we've talked about a lot for the last year and a half before all this happened, which is ETFs, whatever you think of them, they have yeah. a huge role in the market. And the point we're trying to make about GameStop, and we're not picking on the XRT or picking on GameStop, right. is that right. when you have these kinds of shifts, and a widely owned supposedly sort of basket of stocks that are, you know, sized up based on their size, that when things move, it's like pushing a super tanker around. Brian, it's absolutely true. You know, we had an inkling of this many years ago. It was a summer when Janet Yellen wanted to raise rates. I remember it as if it were yesterday because it showed us what could happen in the ETF markets. Uh, Suddenly, you know, she had to stop. There was a movement of, of, of uh, I think it was China's uh, currency. But the point is the ETF sold off, sold off everything. And folks were left like, hey, what happened? What happened to my ETF? I had very good, good companies in there. And yet 
It was everything was thrown out. And that's one thing that investors, I think, in the ETFs don't realize when everything is going up, it's great. But even a very thinly traded stock, as you said, less than 2% at the start of the year, suddenly moves up to 19%. And when that share price starts coming down, as the puts imply, all of a sudden you're seeing major outflows. That, that's the good and the bad of being in these, uh, in these uh, products. Yeah, and there's good and bad to investing. 200 years of investing, no matter what it might be in, tells us that. It could be stocks, it could be tulips, whatever right. it is. Quincy Crosby, silver. we appreciate your views. Thank you very Or silver today, the Burl <laughs> Ives trade. Thank you very much, yeah. Quincy. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. So let's stay right here and talk more about what is going on, specifically online and around Reddit and GameStonk and silver, because there seem to be two very different storylines going around. All right. The first one is this, that Redditors and retail traders have turned their collective attention from GameStop to silver and are pushing hashtags like silver squeeze. And it's a true sort of on the ground uprising against silver and the banking system. The other is that it's not real Redditors at all going after silver, but some kind of hedge fund plant or big money that started this, quote, movement on Reddit, trying to pretend that they are actual Redditors, but instead they're just big money interests. But pretty much like everything else in life, this appears to be something that doesn't just fit neatly into one of those boxes or the other. There may be a little truth to both. Amy Jabbers and Deirdre Bosa joining us now, and, and uh, it's a bit of a weird, complicated story. Eamon, and we were all going back and forth on email. Here's the thing. There were people, and correct me if I'm wrong, computer maestro, because there were people that were trying to push the silver story onto the Reddit thread Wall Street bets, which we've heard so much about. They gained not only no traction, but as I was scrolling through over the weekend, some animosity in only the way Redditors can do it. And so a new thread, Wall Street Silver, popped up a few days ago, and we're seeing posts like that. Wall Street bets, your attempt to shut down silver is just helping us grow. Thank you from Wall Street Silver. It appears they've kind of splintered off. What do we know about the online presence here, Eamon? Well, it's this fascinating division that you're seeing. And some of the people on Wall Street Bets are saying they're posting that old Star Wars meme, you know, with the space admiral saying it's a trap. It's a trap. And some of them are arguing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And some of them are arguing <laughs> that this silver move is not being pushed by, you know, real retail investors, that this is sort of hedge funds dressing themselves up to look like retail investors and pushing this new Wall Street silver subreddit. And I can tell you that just over the past couple of hours, I've reached out to some of the people who are in charge of the new Wall Street Silver subreddit and ask them about this idea that, you know, there are anonymous forces, including themselves, who are pushing these investing ideas out there in the public and, and profiting off of it. Uh, one of the users here uh, who actually set up the new Wall Street Silver uh, subreddit is named Ivan Bayuki. That's the handle that he or she goes by uh, on Reddit. I asked that person, uh, you know, to give us some sense of who he or she is. He says, uh, lives in Canada doesn't have any other uh, full-time job other than pushing silver on social media and says, and I asked about this idea of anonymous users pushing these investment themes out there and how should skeptics think about that? And his response was, I can't speak for anyone else pushing trades anonymously, but I can speak for myself mm. and I just love investing in silver. So 
sort of an answer, non-answer there on that one. I also talked to one of the moderators of this site over text message just over the past couple of hours. This person goes by the handle Rocket Boom Go, and Rocket Boom Go tells me that uh, his name is Jim, and he lives in Florida. He's a retired Merrill Lynch trader, uh, according to this user, uh, and got involved what? in this because uh, was skeptical of the whole idea of the Fed pumping enormous amounts of money into the system, and thinks yeah. that silver is a natural play here as a result of that. So, uh, you know, are these people that, who they say they are? We just don't have any way of knowing, but that's what they're saying. Well, we do because you just told us, Eamon Javers. And I, first off, dear Dubosa, watch out for those Canucks, okay? We, we see what's going on up there with the silver and all your precious <laughs> commodities. But, I mean, Eamon, Eamon laid it out. You know, we sort of have this picture of the Redditor as, you know, sort of younger and obviously irreverent and sort of whatever. Here Eamon is laying out that somebody who's on the Reddit message boards is, I don't know how old, but they are a retired Merrill Lynch trader. And I can personally confirm that I know there are big time hedge fund managers who are under pseudonyms on Reddit. I think that's gonna become the question is, how much of this is grassroots? And how much of this is like a Goldman Sachs trader pretending to be a 26 year old kid looking for tendies? Right, and who's just buying because they like silver, right? I think what all of this tells us, all these different people with their different motives tells us that the Reddit trader is far from this homogenous group. And, you know, while GameStop might have been, you know, somewhat straightforward, a heavily shorted stock, it's not going to be that straightforward. It's not going to be that simple with silver, right? And that's partly why you're seeing some of the backlash on Wall Street bets. Some of the users discovered, wait a second, we're actually not going to hurt Wall Street if we, you know, take long positions in silver, because guess what? Citadel is actually along in the precious metal. Uh, so it gets extremely complicated. Um, and, you know, some of this is being used. For example, Brian, we had, you know, the Winklevoss twins on Squawk Alley last week, and they came on to really talk about the Reddit investor, what was going on GameStop. And guess what? they didn't actually put any money into GameStop. This is a way for them to get at Bitcoin, right? A decentralized currency. Yeah. More of that theme of the little guy versus the big guy. So the motives here are so mixed, but it is incredible what they've been able to do over the last week or so. And you do have to wonder how far is the silver bet going to actually go, even if it is sort of dispersed. We'll see. Well, the Winklevi aren't little guys anyway. They're like 6'5", 220 each. Also, I think billionaires. So on a number <laughs> of levels. So we got to yeah. get our Reddit handles, D-Boss and Eamon the Javelin. I don't know. Do you like those? I just made them up. You can use them. <laughs> guys, thank you. Really good Perfect. discussion. I don't know. <laughs> no? Oh, we'll come up with something better for you, Eamon. There we go. I'm sure the, the audience will have some <laughs> suggestions. I'm sure they will. Oh, something on Reddit, maybe. Oh, yeah. All right. But uh, Eamon doing some sleuth work there with Rocket Boom Go. All right, up next. Ten Republican senators set to unveil their stimulus alternative, which is reportedly less than half of what Democrats are asking for. Is that enough to spark bipartisan compromise or just more frustration? We're going to ask The Exchange back right after this. All right, welcome back to The Exchange, everybody. There are two dueling stimulus scenarios really now starting to take shape on Capitol Hill. And Elon Moy joining us now with the very latest on where we may stand, if at all. Elon. 
O'Brien, the first scenario is a potentially bipartisan but significantly smaller package. It's backed by 10 moderate Republican senators who say that this could be an alternative for Biden to consider. They, de they released the details of their framework this morning. And here are some of the figures that we learned. The updated price tag is $618 billion. It prioritizes funding for the vaccine, matching the $160 billion that's in President Biden's plan. Now, it reduces, though, the boost in job benefits to $300 a week, and it only extends them through the end of June. Biden had proposed through the end of September. Money for schools is cut to $20 billion from Biden's $170 billion. There's $50 billion for small businesses, mainly through the Paycheck Protection Program. And those stimulus checks, they would be cut to $1,000 a person from $1,400. They'd also be capped at incomes of $50,000 for individuals and $100,000 for couples. Also significant is what is not in the plan, and that is a $15 an hour minimum wage, as well as dedicated funding for state and local governments. Now, these 10 GOP senators will be meeting at the White House today with both the president and the vice president. The meeting is scheduled for 5 p.m., and they said that they heard Biden's call for unity and that they want to work in good faith with the administration. Still, Democrats are plowing ahead with a go-it-alone strategy as well. Today, the House is scheduled to unveil a budget resolution that would be the first step in getting a bill passed without Republican support. Brian, that process would also allow them to pass the full $1.9 trillion package that Biden had proposed. Back to you. Okay, so what do we know about, Ilan, the Democratic side? I understand there's, there's two parties in America, you know, bizarrely, but there's Democrats and Republicans, and we think... They're going to all go along. I would argue the most powerful man in Congress is probably Joe Manchin, the, quote, Democrat from West Virginia, which I believe is the most red state in the United States. Are the Democrats all going to get in line on this? Yeah, you're right there, Brian. On the math, it seems like 10 Republican senators would be enough to give Democrats the 60 votes they need in order to pass this bill through regular order. But that's assuming that all 50 Democratic senators are in line. And you don't even need to go all the way to the center where Joe Manchin is to find dissent. Um, there are people like the incoming chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, Ron Wyden, who say that the cuts to the jobless benefits are a non-starter. He doesn't want people jumping from cliff to cliff every three months. We heard Pat Toomey, a Republican this morning, saying that he doesn't support this either. He thinks this is a bad idea because we already just passed $900 billion in COVID relief. So on both sides, there's a lot of skepticism, and Democrats are going to have to really run the board here, having their whole caucus plus these 10, uh, 10 Republican senators on board in order to get this passed, and it's not sure that they're going to be able to do that. All right, Elon Moy, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Good stuff. So Republican senators will be pushing for a compromise or at least a lower stimulus number at the White House today. But does it stand any chance with the Democrats? And what about also capping or reducing this salt deduction tax cap? I got it out. Joining us now with more on that, COVID relief and others, is Representative Brad Schneider, Democrat from Illinois, the 10th District, the northern suburbs, Chicago, and up. Congressman Schneider, thank you very much for joining us. First off, on what Elon just talked about, do you think that a stimulus deal will be reached, either through compromise or do the Democrats have enough, even on the Senate side, to get it done alone? Well, thanks. It's good to join you. And the short answer is we have to get more relief out. Uh, the, the American people are really hurting. Uh, the package that passed at the, end of at the end of December was a down payment 
but we have people who are struggling to put food on their table, pay their rent or, or mortgage. Uh, small businesses are, are, many of them are flat on the back. So many have already closed their doors. Our, our state and local communities are, are really trying to, to just get through this and, and need the, this relief. So we have to get relief out to, to the American people as soon as possible. Uh, I want to see a, a, a bipartisan package. The best way to move forward is bringing people together. Uh, and that certainly requires compromise on, on all sides. Uh, as, as was mentioned earlier, Joe Manchin has uh, one vote, but that one vote could swing things one way or the other. But so does Ron, Ron White and every other senator. So, you know, with a 50-50 uh, Senate, each vote uh, becomes ever more important. And in the House, it's, it's a, a narrow majority as well. So every vote counts there. What we have to do is listen to what people are telling us, where they need assistance, uh, where the federal government can set the course to beat back this pandemic and get our economy back on track, people back to work and uh, make sure our best days are ahead of us. Well, you know, I, I think the beef probably that some in the Republican side have, and I only know that because they, they say it, is that $350 billion or so for state and local governments, a lot of Republican states, their kids are in school. They're, 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 people are going out to restaurants. And yet, so there's been this political divide in sort of the lockdown states, if you will. I mean, Illinois versus Wisconsin, completely different handling of the pandemic. By the way, pretty similar outcomes in terms of case percentages. And I think they're frustrated by that, Congressman. They say, why should we bail out Chicago or Detroit with, with federal money? Yeah, it's, it's not a matter of bailing out. We have seen every state and local uh, government uh, struggling with COVID. Uh, the, the extra costs of providing uh, PPE to their employees, uh, the cost of providing necessary services to their, their residents. Uh, the pandemic has put a great burden on, on all our communities. So this is not a red state, blue state thing. We need help a, across the country. And you also highlighted one of the problems we've seen over the past year, the lack of a, a federal response, a, a coordinated effort, whether it's on testing and tracing or now getting out the, the, the vaccines. Uh, up until the, the new administration came in, there wasn't a plan for getting these vaccines out and, and we're paying the price for it today. We have to make the investment to beat back this virus and to get our economy back on track, our kids back in school. And we should be working together, all Americans working together, rather than fighting each other over um, who, who handled it last year better or not. Well, I completely agree. And, and by the way, the private sector is not getting nearly the attention over 12 days in a row with a million shots in the arm, well ahead of pace, at least from a couple of months ago anyway. So we're hopefully we're going to get there. Uh, Congressman Brad Schneider, got a lot of friends up in your district, so appreciate you joining us here. Hopefully, you guys aren't frosting out like we are in the Northeast. Appreciate yeah, you coming we, on, we, sir. We'll chat again. We soon. got our snow yesterday, but uh, the big thing is let's get those shots in the arm. A million a day to two million a day, and ultimately three and four will help us beat this pandemic. So let's get it done. Kurt, not yeah, not political. Let's do it. I completely agree because I look forward to coming to Chicago and having a you know a beer by the lakeshore by summer. Congressman, thank you. Very I will much. join you. Appreciate it. Very good. All right. We got, there we go. We're done. That's how, that's how it works, folks. All right, still ahead. Silver may be the latest Reddit target, but other precious metal prices have run up so much lately that, that thieves are abounding and stealing a very important and very expensive Jane Wells part of our cars. Brian, this is the part that's gone. The catalytic converter sozzled. Got it right out of here. Because of metal prices, it's not silver, but when we come back, something far more valuable. All right, welcome back to The Exchange. Well, as Jane Wells just showed you, one of the byproducts of rising metals prices, but an increase in thefts of a very specific auto part. Jane Wells, it's a very personal story, Jane. I mean, you gotta, you know, they really gotta work that undercarriage 
for those cars to go get those converters? It is not easy, Brian. I'm at Star Automotive, and this is a catalytic converter. It cleans the exhaust coming out of the engine, sends it down to the muffler. But increasingly, mechanics and police departments and customers are seeing this. It's gone, sawn out by thieves. It happened to Brian Coughlin. He went out to start his Prius one morning, and instead of getting that nice, quiet Prius sound, it sounded more like this. It's noisy because the converter connects the engine to the muffler, and now it's gone. Now, videos on Ring show converters being taken out in minutes. Why? The precious metals inside have gone up in value to the higher emission standards. Rhodium prices have skyrocketed like they're GameStop. They're getting close to $20,000 an ounce. What you have to replace is everything here all the way back. You can't just get this piece. We had just in the sheriff's jurisdiction alone in the last year over 230 catalytic converter theft. It also happens to the same person repeatedly. So I've been a little concerned about that, not knowing is every morning when I get out and go out and I try the car, is it gonna be happen to my car again? And that's how they do it, zoom, zoom, and done. Now, some people are going and buying plates to try to secure their converters against thefts. A friend of mine got this on eBay, but Brian, for this particular Honda, this is what's going on. Converters, there's a hundred on back order right now for this particular model. Back to you. Jane, where are they taking these converters? Where do you cash in a converter? Well, uh, what you can do is you can take it down to some disreputable metal processors. All the gangs being caught up here in Ventura County are going down to L.A. But also, if you look, because they're taking them out, they're creating an actual market for catalytic converters themselves. So if somebody tells you, Brian, they can get you one for a grand, it's probably stolen. Yep. Wow. Good stuff. Jane Wells, good to see you. Fit converter. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.